Today's podcast is all about inflammation, a word that has become somewhat of a buzzword and we think it's thrown around quite a bit. So we want to make sure that you understand what inflammation is, what chronic inflammation is, why it can become such a problem in the body, and how to make sure you are doing everything possible to reduce the inflammatory response in your body. Live your life within the moment, moment. And don't go wait until the morning, morning. You never know when it is over, over. All that I know is Happy Wednesday, everyone. My goodness. I feel like this enters into the hardest time of the year in Chicago because the weather blows. Yep. And I just, no. The holidays actually, are done. We just had 50 degrees. So we're recording this week before, but we're supposed to get 50 degrees mm-hmm. in a couple of days here. If the weatherman is accurate. I know. I know. I don't understand how these people keep their jobs. Like, I wish someone could explain it to me. Well, that's like when we did, um, you basically go off of trends. So like I did actuarial work at Allstate and how you basically create insurance rates is going off of like previous year's trends and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And it's just, a, it's an educated guess. Yeah. That's very wrong most of the time. Yeah. I mean, like the whole 11 to 13 inches we were supposed to get. Oh, I know. It was like, maybe I could still see our sidewalk. I was <laughs> like, this pastor, is not that bad. Our pastor was like joking about it in the sermon on Christmas Eve about like the blizzard, you know, and like, there was really no blizzard here. But man, the videos, we've been watching a lot of videos of the ice in Seattle and like the cars just like domino affecting down the hill. Like, Dude. So one of our clients like, is in New York and they mm-hmm. had a horrible blizzard. Yeah. She sent me a picture and it was like a road full of abandoned cars and mm-hmm. stuff. That's so scary. So scary. And then I think 24 people from the article I read this morning have the passed so away sad. because like the cars couldn't keep up. We were actually, so we had cookie baking day and then nieces and nephews decided to stay. And I was like, well, I wasn't planning on making dinner for everybody. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to like order in or go grab something. So we decided let's get out of the house. And um, we went across the street to the promenade. Like half the restaurants were closed. Yeah. So ended up asking when my aunt was in town at the place we wanted to go on Friday, what happened? And the waitress was like, you know, I opened that day. I live an hour away. My car wouldn't start. Several other people, oh my their gosh. cars wouldn't start. So she's like, we just made the decision, like keep everybody safe. And I think a lot of restaurants are having like staffing issues too. Yeah. Um, which, you know, obviously kind of stinks, but yeah, we had a very odd experience at BD's Mongolian. I don't think I ever want to go back there again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the cooks, so like if you guys have ever been to like a Mongolian, you go mm-hmm. up and you get the things that you want. I'm always skeptical because like this meat's been sitting out and like it shouldn't be in these temperatures, but whatever. Um, the cooks were like obnoxiously singing and cooking. I'm like, okay, this this going to seem odd. I did feel a little funny I know, the you next back, morning. You texted me. You were like, I hope I don't get food poisoning yeah. from that place. Well, like Art didn't even eat like half of his. Marcus had macaroni and cheese that was so bad. I sent it back to the kitchen. And I was like, we're going to need to like, this is worse than like Aldi dollar mac and cheese. Like oh this is God. awful. Um, and so they were like, okay, you want to like chicken nuggets or something? I was like, sure. Um, yeah. I don't think any of us like finished our food. It was anyways, whatever. We still had fun. That's the main thing with the holidays is just being with your family. But yes. um, yeah, wild yeah. times anyways. So yeah, it's about to get frigid cold here. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. I got my cleats coming and for my walking outside and I got a new face covering mask thing. It's so bad. We actually just, um, I was telling you, we just got a humidifier for our furnace because we Mm -hmm. don't have one. And like, I can tell the kid's skin is dry. My skin is dry. We all have chapped lips. Like we need a better humidifier in our house. So we're making that investment. That's one thing we're going to do. I mean, we have one on our heater, I believe, but doing it like, all the other rooms and we've been running our purifiers Mm -hmm. not as 
hefty as have the air doctors, <laughs> but our purified, you can feel and smell the difference. Like when we run it all day going into like Marcus's room, cause he got his big boy bed. So now we're, mm-hmm. you know, working on laying with him. And I totally understand why my dad constantly fell asleep in the bed with me when he would put me to bed. Oh, and this went on until I was like 11 years old. And then my parents had to break me of the whole, like mm-hmm. lay with yeah. you to fall asleep thing. Yep. It was horrible. Yeah. Luckily, Carson's Carson's great. Yeah. Taylor's meh. She's like 70% of the time she'll sleep through the night. The other 30% she wakes up screaming at some point. And then I have to go find a binky. And I think it'll just take some time to get used to it. You know, because you're so used to being like cozy in a small and totally crib space. Now to a full size bed. So he's having fun with it. But anyways. Well, today we want to talk about inflammation because I think that a lot of times... Inflammation is a word that gets thrown around and like we talk, it's a buzzword. It is. It's totally a buzzword. Like you have inflammation. What does that mean? Like what is, and why, why is chronic inflammation a bad thing? How is it different from like acute inflammation and why inflammation is not necessarily a bad thing in your body, but when it's chronic, it is. So we just want to talk a little bit around how chronic inflammation develops, what inflammation is. So we Mm -hmm. can understand how you can manipulate your intake and your exposure to things to help manage inflammation and minimize it. Um, and I think this is, if anybody's ever done whole 30 or anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. AIP, things like that, you 100%, if you were strict with it and, you know, stuck, stuck to the plan for, yep. I would say longer than in, there's some people who say 14 days. I really think it's about 21 days mm-hmm. to 30 days where people actually start to notice this whole, just, cloud lift almost. Um, And the thing is to understand that inflammation is not necessarily a bad thing. Like it's part of our healing process. Um, Yeah, we need it. We just don't need it to be chronic, you know, or acute or to going on constantly. Like when the body is constantly inflamed, obviously that creates a stress on the body and that's a cause for concern, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when we think about acute inflammation, this is, you know, the swelling that would happen. Let's say you were stung by a bee or you sprained your ankle or you broke something. There's going to be that acute innate response. That area gets red. Maybe it's warm, right? Um, When we're fighting viruses, whether it's a cold sore or a fever, like the body is trying to fight and defend something that is in the body that shouldn't be there um, or help heal, you know, from this more acute, um, immediate situation. The chronic inflammation, this is systemic. I mean, this is constant, whether it is things that you are ingesting unintentionally, right? We see this on our mediated release test, creates this kind of chemical warfare when your immune system identifies something as, as non-self and not safe, Um it could be food, you know, a lot of processed food, a lot of um, just pro-inflammatory things in terms of, you know, hydrogenated oils. Again, here we go with corn oil, soybean oil, gluten for a lot of people, um, with glyphosate, especially um, with how things are, you know, produced here. But it can be a, a lot of things, um, you know, the skin care, hair care, things that you are maybe, maybe you're a smoker, maybe you're a drinker, maybe you're addicted to sugar, things like that. But this chronic inflammation can also, you know, be identified as autoimmune um, conditions, type two diabetes, inflammatory bowel disease, heavily, you know, correlated and linked to several cancers, Alzheimer's disease, and obesity. So that's what we're going to talk about today: is like what is a healthy acute response, and then what are the chronic systemic disease associated 
um, mm-hmm. you know, responses. Yeah. So we need to understand immune system like 101 before we get into like how we understand inflammation. So for example, after a cut, you know, hopefully you rinse and disinfect the wound and then you put a Band-Aid on it, you let it heal. And our immune system kind of follows the same routine when we damage our body. So it removes any infection, clears up the damage, infected or dead cells to ensure that nothing gets in the way of the healing process. So kind of similar to an ambulance or police, our immune cells need to be alerted of that damage. And kind of a very complex system of different chemical systems delivers the message and induces changes in the local tissue. And that's what's inflammation. That is what ultimately is called inflammation. It is basically what recruits our immune cells to the problem areas. So inflammation is a very healthy function. If you do not have inflammation, you would die. Like your body would, it would not be able to survive because that is how it, inflammation is how our body repairs itself essentially. So swelling, pain, itching, all of those are essential because that initial discomfort and itching makes us remove any dirt from a wound. Lingering pain prevents us from disturbing the healing. So we have to understand like, where does inflammation start and how do our different immune systems, because well, not different immune systems, but different phases of the immune system affect how our body clears that inflammation or ultimately that inflammation lingers. Yeah. So it's, think about this as a domino effect or a cascade effect, right? Every cell in your body that receives a warning reacts and it passes it on. It's these are chemical messengers, right? And so there's a chain reaction um, and that all starts with something, right? Um, And so inflammation is started by a cell that recognizes molecules associated with damage or infection, as Becca was just saying. If a cell suddenly dies, there's chemicals that are normally held inside of that cell that get released. So for example, several strands of DNA floating around in the body are a sign that there has been some damage. Local immune cells that have specific DNA receptors recognize that this molecule has been damaged when it is captured. So some of those molecules are produced by bacteria. Some of them are produced by viruses and they all have unique chemical structures. So they can be shared by several microorganisms. Um, You know, again, this is one thing when we're running like a a mediator release test, it's almost like the immune system remembers the structures of these food molecules and it creates this chemical warfare, releases histamines or cytokines, various uh, mediators to remove it from the places that it shouldn't be. So it's not that that almond or, you know, Greek yogurt is inherently, let's air quote here, bad for you. It's that your body is sensing this from a chemical perspective and, you know, it creates this internal battle and there's an inflammatory response. So if someone's continuing to eat these things, right, um, consistently, there's an upregulated immune response um, consistently as well. And it's looking at these molecular patterns also to detect like different bacteria or viruses. So we think here like parasites, we think candida or fungi or yeast or things like that. Um, But, you know, just in one example, lipopolysaccharides, which are molecules, um, they are part of cell walls of some specific bacteria. So the immune system can use that uh, molecule to recognize whether that bacteria constitutes a threat. Because guys, we're exposed to things all the time, whether we inhale it, we ingest it, you know, um, by eating or drinking or we're breathing it, all of these things that we may even be exposed to that we're unaware that we're exposed to, mold in our home or in your, you know, work environment, 
fumes and gases, you know, when you're driving all of these things, um, you know, your body is constantly always on alert, basically mm-hmm. scanning um, and waiting for danger signals. Yep. So when an immune cell senses one of those danger signals, it releases pro-inflammatory signaling molecules. And this causes several changes to the tissue and around the tissue, which isolate the danger and basically wait until more immune cells can come in. So your innate system is kind of first. That's your innate immune system. That's like as soon as you get you know, a sickness, like a cough, a cold, stuff like that, your innate immune system comes into play and that basically tries to isolate what's going on until your adaptive immune system, and like Liz was saying, your memory, your, your vault of your immune system comes in to basically clear it out because that's the one that identifies those you know, different types of molecule structures and all of that. And so our blood contains numerous immune cells waiting for these danger signals. But the blood vessels only have tiny holes that keep the cells from trespassing, kind of like a fishnet, basically, because when immune cells are recruited, these cells cause some damage. Like they cause damage to the tissue at that site of inflammation during their hunt for unwelcomed guests. So as the immune system fights the infection and removes dying cells, the danger signals kind of start to lower, like your, your danger alert system starts to lessen. So pro-inflammatory chemicals and immune cells leave the scene to anti-inflammatory colleagues, basically, who initiate the repair, can leave some scarring. That's where like scar tissue happens with inflammation. So soon enough, local order is restored. Everything's fine. Inflammation is resolved. And then the tissue loses some of its integrity like during that repair process. So I just talked a little bit about the immune and adaptive immune function. The Basically, the two phases of your immune function, okay? The rapid reaction from the, the innate one, that, that first immune system response that localizes everything, and then the adapted comes to clear the infection. And the molecular patterns described kind of start that initial quick and robust response, again, that innate immunity, and then it uses nonspecific defense mechanisms that kind of localize and initiate the response And then eventually the adaptive comes in to kind of help clear up things because the body's, you know, cells do this in different ways, right? They produce protein. So when you have an allergic reaction or any type of sensitivity, it is to proteins. I'm not saying like chicken, beef, steak proteins. I'm talking about there are certain proteins in all foods, in all molecular structures that are basically what our body becomes sensitive or allergic to. And that is what our adaptive immune cells distinguish between different pieces of foreign and human proteins. This is where it gets tricky because Mm -hmm. foreign proteins come from things like food, bacteria, viruses. Our body also creates proteins. This is where autoimmunity comes into play. Yep. And again, we've talked about this in the past, like you're talking about proteins here. Like, I just feel it's important for us to bring this up again. Gluten, for example, there's something called gliadin, which is a protein in gluten, wheat, barley, rice, spelt, so forth. And if the body sees that as a non-self invader, it is not only going to signal an immune response causing, you know, things to happen, you know, in the gut that we don't want in terms of, um, you know, breaking down our um, mucosal barrier, epithelial lining, things like that, leaky gut essentially. Mm-hmm. But as those things enter into the bloodstream, they look exactly like your thyroid hormone at a chemi- at the cellular level. And so it can cause, this is why for a lot of people with thyroid um, diseases, we recommend 100% gluten-free because it can cause an attack on the thyroid further because it's recognizing these chemical structures coming in from gluten and it's attacking um, the thyroid. So 
just wanted to, to kind of throw in throw that in there um, because a lot of people don't understand, well, like I don't have a digestive reaction, like I don't have celiac symptoms. There can be this chronic systemic you know, level of inflammation in the body that's happening, you know, chemically that you don't necessarily always feel because of the immune system response. So when we think about how inflammation works, we think there always has to be, you know, again, this trigger coming in, right? And so by recognizing and attacking, maybe it's a false target, it accelerates the progression of multiple diseases. So here's where we think about, um, you know, we have inflammation that's induced by that cell damage or the acute inflammation, and the immune, the immune system responds to you know weaken and resolve once that danger is removed, as Becca just talked about. But sometimes the inflammation does not resolve, and this is where it becomes problematic. And so it persists year after year after year, and that leads you know to things. Let's say um, you know autoimmune conditions, IBS, um, you know Hashimoto's, Crohn's disease. There can be all kinds of things here. Um, but it can also lead to coronary heart disease um, because that induces uh, chronic inflammation as well because this chronic inflammation is initiated and it's maintained, um, you know, again, long-term. Mm-hmm. So th- this is just one thing that it's important when you're looking at someone who is struggling with a lot of symptoms, a lot of underlying inflammation, let's say it's brain fog, fatigue, that can be neural inflammation, it could be joint pain, right? So we're struggling with all of these symptoms, that's the body's cry for help. And so while you may not even recognize that certain things that you're doing, because of the health foods, right, that maybe you're eating, or things you're exposed to every day are causing a lot of these issues, or dysfunction in the body. That's why we like to pair the GI map a lot of times with the MRT to look at what is happening on a, a chemical warfare level rather than just someone saying, oh, you know, I have, for example, like IBS. And so my doctor said to remove FODMAPs. And so symptomatically, digestively, I feel better. But there can be a lot of other things that your body's responding to in terms of like the protein structures or molecules and food that have, you know, nothing to do with like your digestive symptoms. Mm-hmm. So we want to help you understand this. And I think that like Liz was saying, kind of plaque buildup or atherosclerosis is a really good example to understand how the acute inflammation turns into chronic inflammation. So atherosclerosis is basically plaque buildup in the arteries. And obviously, arteries transport transport blood from the heart to the tissues. We know this is hardening of arteries, right? Very scary. No one wants hardening of the arteries, causes heart attacks, all of that. So when the arteries harden, they become less flexible and lose their ability to, you know, allow that blood flow to happen. Fun fact, our arterial walls begin to thicken as early as 15 years old. They develop atherosclerotic plaque or basically little cuts on them. And that mainly consists of cholesterol and fat. So these lesions can be found in almost every adult and they progress with age. In healthy people, the plaque is basically harmless. But coronary heart disease is the leading cause of death worldwide. We know this. It can take decades before things go wrong. This is, again, why Liz and I always talk about on this podcast, like symptoms mean things have been going on for a while. Mm -hmm. Symptoms do not mean things just started. Like, you guys, unless you are actively pursuing optimal health all day long, all day, every day, you probably have things going on underneath the surface if you don't already have symptoms. So that is why we need to be proactive with our health. We cannot be on the defense because ultimately something will always happen. So basically with atherosclerosis, plaque can break off and cause a blockage, or it can open and cause a blood clot to form, preventing blood flow to a vital organ. 
Both situations can lead to heart attack, stroke, kidney damage. Atherosclerotic plaque growth is influenced by a lot of different factors. There's, you know, smoking, type 2 diabetes, obesity, high blood pressure, low physical activity, high fat, high sugar diets. All of those basically can cause inflammation. Early plaque is very harmless, almost invisible. It's a consequence of transport of lipids, which are basically molecules of fat, across blood vessel walls. Normally, this process provides tissues with nutrients, but thick arterial walls trap the lipids inside. Okay, so these molecules of fat become oxidized, and that changes their structure, making them foreign to the body. Now we have some process that should be a very normal process in the body starts to become seen as foreign. So these arterial walls are basically always under high stress from high blood pressure. They overreact. These lipids accumulate. This is the process. And they recruit immune cells, initiating inflammation. But our immune cells can only deal with so much at once, guys. And this is why when you have so many inputs like inflammatory oils from processed foods or high fat foods. You have alcohol. You have not enough nutrients to combat all of these things. You aren't treating the body well enough. Maybe you have too much high intensity exercise, not enough sleep, not enough rest, not enough water. You have this big kind of storm of things going on. Your immune cells cannot handle it all. They deal with too much and they ultimately die because immune, immune cells kind of sacrifice themselves to an extent when they go to handle inflammation or danger signals. And so when this persists, when you never give your body the chance to recover because you're always putting in harmful inputs, your healing process basically just worsens over time. You're, it can't keep up. And so this atherosclerosis example is basically when this infectious trigger causes serious tissue damage, and this misguided immune response doesn't resolve because your trigger always remains. And over extended periods of times, it contributes to disease progression. And so if we think about this in any other, like obesity, I'll let you kind of talk mm -hmm. through like how obesity can be an example, but anything that persists that we do not resolve is what leads to this chronic inflammation response from the body because it cannot basically ever recover itself and you start to create these foreign invaders that turn out into innate invaders, like your body's own self. Yeah. Yeah. And so when we think about, you know, fat cells, fat cells store a lot of things. Um, and when we have too much fat on the body, this can lead to inflammation in and of itself. Um, you know, and that's why, again, body mass, even though we've talked a lot about like we would rather you look at body fat rather than just straight BMI because this can vary person to person depending upon too how much you're training or you're not training, right? Um, but when we look at chronic inflammation, it's no longer localized. Like we talked about, you know, a cut or a sprained ankle or something like that where it's more of that acute. This is, you know, not localized. It's now systemic throughout the body and your blood levels of pro-inflammatory molecules have increased chronic disorders, um, disease, chronic disease will progress faster. Um, so again, we know that there's significant evidence um, between obesity and um, atherosclerosis, cardiovascular disease, cancer risk, insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes. And so again, the problem lies in the chemical signals that are produced by these fat cells. Um, and so this excessive adipose tissue formed by fat cells secretes pro-inflammatory module, modules, uh, molecules, excuse me, in obese individuals as well. 
So, you know, again, this is why we are looking if we have somebody, you know, lab work or we have a, a test and we know that they have a history here, we're looking at other things on their labs that maybe they haven't even been tested. So there's a few that we can do um, just on regular generic um, blood panels, things like C-reactive protein or CRP. Um, but you can also dig deeper into interleukin-6. Um, we can look at tumor factors, various things here. So it's just important that you guys all remember that everything that we do, like I've said this before in terms of like everything that you eat um, and drink, it's like a choice to be, you know, something that's helping you get further towards your goals or away from your goals. Everything that we do also helps us either inflame uh, and promote this inflammation, you know, chronic inflammation or supports us in terms of deflaming because we need the ability to do both. And so as Becca was mentioning earlier, like maybe you're someone who just doesn't have good nutrient diversity. Like we're lacking diversity in our food. We're not getting enough colors in. We're constantly eating the same 11 to 14 foods and we don't go outside of that box because maybe we have just a palate that, you know, you say, I, I don't like these things or you just are busy and you just haven't thought to incorporate these things. We need to just bring in more of the good. You're always going to have things that are going to be pro-inflammatory, but if you can bring more of the anti-inflammatory foods in, and then yes, I would say remove anything that you know makes you feel bad. Like, hands down, just remove it. It's not worth it. You're going to get pretty far in this. But then we also have to look at like, if we are not losing weight, what's the blocking factor there? Because again, obesity is heavily linked to chronic inflammation. Yep. So like we mentioned, inflammation is a very vital feature to our immune system. Our body has no mechanism to prevent and fight infection without it. Like inflammation mm -hmm. is necessary it begins with that first innate adaptive, I'm sorry, innate immune system. And then it goes on to the adaptive, which is kind of like the heavy guns. That's like the strong artillery. And so unfortunately that immune system gets misguided and that is where it becomes chronic. That is basically when inflammation is triggered by like a non-infectious stimulus, meaning not a virus, not bacteria, not anything that like is from the outside, but things that are chronic in our body like that like I mentioned, atherosclerotic plaque, like that plaque buildup, that is a chronic immune thing, something that is not being removed. Again, obesity. Obesity causes inflammation because it causes the release of higher chemical messengers like that interleukin-6, that CRP protein. All of those things basically induce inflammation. Your fat cells essentially cause inflammation. Mm -hmm. That is when you have obesity, that is why you have chronic inflammation because fat cells produce it. That is why I cannot get behind this whole movement of healthy at any size. Like, sure, can you be mostly healthy having some extra pounds on you? For sure. You cannot be healthy being morbidly obese. You just cannot. Your body is a walking, breathing inflammation factory that leads to disease over time. It is just the reality of it. It is not, it is not an opinion. It is not me being mean. It is a scientific, physiological proven fact. And so we need to understand that being healthy means moving your body, means taking in foods that help fight this inflammation, antioxidants, you know, anti-inflammatory foods. I'm not huge on the anti-inflammatory diet, but like things like Mediterranean diet, lots of color, lots of healthy fats, lots of good proteins, those types of things. We need to understand that this chronic inflammation is because there is something there that we are not helping to remove. Something that is causing this inflammation. 
something that is basically our body attacking itself because our so, so smart immune system is getting fooled. And those things we can have control over. That is our inputs, our food, our lifestyle, our stress, our sleep. That is where we need to look when this chronic inflammation goes on. And I think it's important just to bring up the fact that it's a process of healing. You know, if you're somebody who says, like, I am trying to diet and I'm trying to move my body and I am very, very overweight and my weight is not budging, then we have to look, you know, further under the hood, keep peeling back the layers of the onion. What is the blocking factor here? You know, maybe it's that you're managing calories, but you're not managing where those calories are coming from and that you need to resensitize your body to insulin and you need to go through a pretty strict phase for a period of time with the types of foods and the balance of your foods, um, you know, overall. And so it's also, you know, recognizing that while you're not in a place that you want to be right now, it's much more than just weight. You know, we're looking at the state of your body in terms of health. Um, and you know, if there are other things that are preventing you from getting the weight off, that's what we need to figure out because, you know, again, the longer that this goes on, the more and more that your body is just going to be essentially worn down. And this is where then we start to see multiple things start to pile up, right? Like I have this diagnosis. Now I have this diagnosis. Now this symptoms are popping up, you know, and then it's, it's more medication in the conventional world. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're managing, um, you know, one thing with a medication and then that has a side effect or other things pop up. And so now we're managing another thing with this medication. And, you know, it's just kind of this whole like trickle effect and the domino effect that happens. And sometimes when we talk to people, it's kind of easy to go back and like pinpoint when things started to really go south. Mm -hmm. You know, they were in a place where maybe they were high stress, work was really crazy. And then all of a sudden, you know, they had a, a traumatic event happen in their life. And things start to get worse and worse because the immune system can't keep up with high levels of stress, depending upon, you know, what the stressor was in terms of their food. Maybe they were severely under eating, erratic eating, not eating, you know, good quality food when they were eating, you know, kind of that standard American diet in a heavily stressful time. And then they're not sleeping or they're taking sleep medications to help them sleep because they're thinking about work and their mind doesn't calm down. And then whatever, you know, happens in terms of a traumatic event or what the body perceives as a traumatic event kind of sets this cascade off. And so just Mm. remember that it's not an overnight fix. You're not going to do a Mediterranean style diet uh, for 30 days and all of this is just going to resolve. Sometimes it is six months, a year, depending upon, you know, how obese the person is. We're looking at maybe two years to unravel. Or how extreme like the toxicity level in the body is, Mm -hmm. how stressed out the body is. If you do not get out of stressful environments, your body will never heal. And like Liz was talking a little bit earlier on the gut, like when a big part of chronic inflammation stems from that, where we see for whatever reason, the gut has lost its integrity. The gut lining has lost its integrity, maybe microbiome imbalance, whatever it is. And so when that happens, you become more and more sensitive to more foods because basically those foods get through the gut lining that shouldn't, larger size particles of them. And then they get into the bloodstream because it goes basically... The, our little mucousy lining of our GI tract goes up against our gut lining. And then if you get past the gut lining, now we're inside in terms of like our immune system and our bloodstream. Things should not get into the bloodstream through the gut lining. That is why it's there. But when it loses its integrity, when it starts to break down, things get into the bloodstream. And so guess what? When it's in the bloodstream, your body launches that immune attack that shouldn't happen. 
And so now we have those immune responses to food. Again, chronic inflammation. We're now reacting to foods that we shouldn't be reacting to. And so all of these things can cause this. And that is why sometimes you have to dig deeper than just changing your diet. You have to dig deeper to what breakdown happened where and what is causing this. Because it will turn into this overreactive immune system that causes chronic inflammation, that causes all these symptoms, that causes weight loss resistance, insomnia, you know, bloating, all of these different things. It's all come, I think a lot of it comes back to your immune response and your immune system. And then over time, guess what? Your immune system can't keep up. And now you have a very underreactive immune system because it's basically the immune system has lost its army. It's lost its capability because you just have these chronic stressors on the body. Yeah. You know, and then we think about things that drive this too, in terms of like medications. Like I think about birth control. We've did a whole series on birth control and things that, you know, can impact and impair our immune system, even just from that. But you compile that with someone gets sick, right. And their immune system can't fight it, or they're just the type of person that is open to taking various prescription medications such as antibiotics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or they're using over-the-counter things like PPIs, Tums, things like that, acid reducers, or NASADs, Tylenol, um, you know, DayQuil, all those types of things. There's always a side effect to these things. There's always a cost. And so when we think about those things that kind of compile over time, all of those also impact the integrity of the gut um, yep. as well. And then nutrient depletions, you know, from various prescriptions, each of them kind of have their own, um, you know, and so I think it's important to think, one of the things that, you know, what we have to do as practitioners is is take 10 steps back and come very, very high level at the broad picture, not just like this one symptom that's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's like the broad picture of why is this happening? And then what I always ask, and I know Becca does too, is like, when did this start? Do you have any correlations to things? I have, you know, had conversations with clients where, hey, I had a root canal and then it got infected and then I had to be on antibiotics and that didn't work. So I had to do a different antibiotic or at a UTI didn't um, you know work in terms of the antibiotics that they use because maybe they didn't culture it or nothing was picked up. So then they went on another round of antibiotics and then there's never any support following this in terms of rebuilding, right? Because when you take antibiotics, you're not only killing the viruses or trying to kill the virus, you're also killing a lot of your good bacteria mm-hmm. that you need because your good bacteria is kind of like your gut army. They're your first line of defense. They're anti-inflammatory in nature. Mm-hmm. And we have to think 70 to 80% of your immune system is in the gut. So this is why we wanted to bring it up today because people often ask, um, and Becca can give her you know, description of this too, but you know, when I'm talking with somebody, why is the GI map something that's a requirement for us? It's because a lot of things start in the gut and we need mm-hmm. to see what's happening here first because a lot of times it's the big domino or a brick that we need to move out of the way. Then we also want to make sure from the gut perspective, your detoxification pathways, you know, are open and that, you know, we are having proper bowel movements and we're sweating and we're doing all of these things that we need to to excrete all of this stuff because some people will come in and say, well, like, oh, I did a liver detox. And then all of a sudden things got way worse for them because they weren't properly, you know, moving their lymph system and excreting and things like that. Hormones, the same thing. So it's all this cascade effect. And so when we think about inflammation, a lot of times when I see someone who's very, very high on a GI map in terms of some of the intestinal health markers, I will you know, say to them, you really need to get the MRT in order for us to get the most out of this healing process because you just don't know what is creating this 
you know, hit after hit after hit after hit every day, you know, from a gut perspective, if we don't have that to kind of pair it up um, with. So if I see somebody who is, you know, extremely um, high on one of the the markers that we see that signifies inflammation in the body, um, you know, our detoxification, you know, if we are more chronic, like this has been going on, you know, for it seems to be, you know, months, if not years versus acute, then it's figuring out what are those things that you're constantly exposing yourself to that it, you know is triggering this. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, the colon is the bottom of the drainage funnel. Mm-hmm. You know, the colon is how we excrete everything out of the body. And so if that is not working properly in terms of your digestion, your elimination, you're impacting everything upstream. And so that is why I think the GI map is so helpful and so important for so many people. Um, Cause it's the, you know, if that's not working, doesn't matter. Like everything else is going to get backed up and, and become dysfunctional. Um, and I, I'm a huge fan of the Dutch too. And the MRT, all of them serve the different purposes. Um, so hopefully today helped you understand a little bit more into what inflammation is essentially, why chronic inflammation happens and why it's a problem. You know, it it turns into so many symptoms downstream and the body cannot heal if there's chronic inflammation going on, if there's, if you're in this state of stress for the body. And so what we can do about it, like we said, you know, you got to reduce stressors that can be exposure to things that can be poor food choices that can be environmental stressors. Um, You need to make sure you're giving your body what it needs, quality and quantities. You're eating enough. You're getting your body enough nutrients. You know, you need to make sure that you're doing things to help promote anti-oxidation, anti-stress, anti-inflammation, things like cold exposure for some people, things like red light therapy. All of those things can be helpful, you know, some potential supplementations to help with all of the processes that get inflammation resolved and out of the body. Um, You know, maybe you do need to work with someone if things have gotten to a place where symptoms are plentiful um, and you don't feel well. And I'll be honest, like if symptoms are pretty pretty plentiful and there's a number of them, your body probably is in a place where it's not going to heal itself very well on its own. There, there needs to be some type of support. There needs to be some understanding of, you know, why are these symptoms happening? What in your environment is causing a lot of this? What in your past may be driven some of this? Um, you know, a lot of times there needs to be help and support for a period of time. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I think that a lot of people are like, well, I can figure it out on my own. I just need to eat better. I need, you know, whatever. Unfortunately for a lot of people, no. Like I think that there's a lot of times and a lot of situations where there does need to be outside support. There does need to be either supplementation or a, an outside evaluation of your environment because when you're in your environment, you're too close to it. You, you can't see what you're doing. You can't see what could be wrong, what could be a factor. Um, and that's where I think the, the help of a practitioner or you know, a properly trained coach or you know, physician, whatever, can be really, really necessary in a lot of situations. Yeah, because I think a lot of people compensate and they think that what they experience day to day is common. Like I was chatting with uh, a couple, so we primarily work with women, but uh, I do have some male clients, primarily um, referrals or spouses of current clients. And, you know, I was asking, kind of digging into some symptoms with them because of what I was seeing on their GI map. And they're like, well, I mean, nothing like out of the norm, like what's normal. And I was like, well, digestion should be a quiet event. You know, we shouldn't have bloating, gas, constipation, like especially smelly gas, you know, the joint pain, like we chalk that up to aging for a lot of people. 
guys, that's not normal to like walk around and hobble around. Maybe you're sore from your workout, you know, but then again, you also shouldn't be walking around sore all the time. So I think a lot of, and I think this is more type A personalities, but people just compensate. They just, you know, go through their day to day and think that these things are normal, but they're really not. You could be feeling a lot better than you are if you weren't in this chronic state of inflammation. So that's what we wanted to share with you guys today. And we hope that you have a fabulous Wednesday. We will be back for, well, you know what Friday is. Friday Fire. Friday Fire.